So what have you got for us, Faye? We have a dysfunctional family vying to control the future of their wealth. Well, I guess you know what they say. Family is served. Sounds like a job for crime scene investigation. Hello and welcome to another episode of Prime Scene Investigation. I am Chris. I am joined, as always, by Faye. Hello. And Mercer. Hello. Very much the Dempsey and Makepeace of the podcast in Detective World. How are we both? Are we well? <laughs> I'm, I'm really good, yeah. I'm sorry. I've got giggles after your tagline. Um, and I don't know why it's it's not a very promising tagline, is it? Family is best served cold. <laughs> Leave the call for five to ten minutes. I'm good, seeing as you're asking. Hot again, but good. But don't worry, we're going to keep his tempers under control. We'll see how we go. Thank you, Dan O'Popomatic, for asking after us and making sure we hadn't all died from heat stroke as well. No, we, we sound like that as soon as the temperature rises over a certain amount. But we do appreciate you dropping us a message just to make sure we weren't dead. Much obliged. So this week for Prime Scene Investigation, we are not straying too far into the past. We are staying in 2021 with Broyle from Edward Drake. I'm going to attempt a quick plot synopsis for this film. Bear with me because I'm going to do my absolute best. So we have Avery Conrad who plays Chance Sinclair. She is a troubled child suffering from a mysterious ailment. After her latest bad behaviour she is sent to live with her grandfather in a secluded old building in the middle of nowhere. Her moving to that building coincides with the build-up to the family dinner and an attempted coup for control of the family from the younger members. This is a cherry on the top. They're all vampires. If you thought the synopsis was confusing, you should have watched the film. I did watch the film. I hope you did. <laughs> I did. For the, the sole purpose of being able to discuss it today in a comprehensive and mature and coherent manner. But that's not going to be possible. <laughs> Just so you're aware. I just thought I'd wing it. I didn't watch it and I just thought I'd wing it. I'm lying. I gave like an hour and however long of my life away to this film. So yeah, I did watch. You know how long it took me to get annoyed by it and get on the wrong side of me? 30 seconds from when we had the act one or part one card come up right at the start. You're not, you're not directing The Godfather. You're not directing an eight-hour sprawling epic that needs us to keep track of what's going on across generations. You've directed a 90-minute vampire film. I, too, am not a fan of these kind of... I think it, it takes you out of being in a movie. Sometimes it works, and sometimes it's relevant for the movie. This movie, I felt, give it you so that you could maybe try and stay on track, but... Because of the film's nature of not being very linear within its storyline, these place cards or these announcements for like what each section were didn't help at all, other than to annoy. That's all it did to me. The very first thing I've put from the very first second where Avery opened her mouth and started speaking, I've just put, oh, God, this does not feel promising. 
and that's from the very first line. Well, I, I'll surprise you. I was quite impressed from the beginning. I thought, oh, this actually seems like it's going to be decent. It's going for something a little bit out of the ordinary to your typical low-budget horror film sort of thing. You know, I, I liked her narrative on it. I liked the way it was going with the axe. Uh, I mean, obviously, that all falls apart later. I'm sorry. Absolutely does. Um, but I didn't have... I knew you'd have a problem with it. With the uh, there were two There were two things throughout this whole film that I knew you would have an issue with. The title placements of the part one and such, and probably Jonathan Lipnicki's performance as a whole. Oh, Jonathan Lipnicki is in this, in case you didn't know. I think we'll get onto Jonathan Lipnicki when he deserves us to get onto him. I will say, actually, I, I did, I did, I'm such a hypocrite, because I did start off going, I hate this. Like, immediately I went, I hate it. I don't like this at all. And then there was that awful like so the setup is us getting introduced to Avery and there's that party scene and it's just like lots of pounding music and then we discover that Avery's obviously either bisexual, pansexual or lesbian, I'm not sure which. It doesn't delve into it enough. But I did I did go, Oh, this lighting's quite nice because <laughs> it's very like queer lighting, like, you know, very Suspiria or but also very LGBT. Uh, QIA plus and I thought oh this this it could have some promise but then it started doing these crazy cuts with the party scene and that just I just it felt so messy immediately I was like I don't understand there were one point in particular where I, I think she was walking towards the principal's office or some such and um, it started to kick in with music and then the music just automatically finished I'm like I'm wondering how much you paid that tiny segment of music not to use it at all while we're on the subject of just music in general the sound mixing for this entire film is absolutely awful to barely be able to hear the dialogue at all in any of the scenes we had this ridiculously cranked up volume wise to try to hear what was help going on because it would, didn't help that amazon prime didn't have subtitles for the film no so the only way to actually be able to try to catch what anyone was saying against the background noise being far too high in the mix was just have it crank the practically neighbour-annoying levels of volume. It's interesting with the soundtrack cause, uh, or, or score, because I've said before in the past, it's not something I often listen to um, because it becomes part of the scene and that's good. And then we had that event at Soho that Andrew Scott Bell did, the guy who scored Death's Ember and other such films. And, and he talked about like the purpose behind the score. And that's something that I actually felt I really needed to get a better understanding about it, you know, how it's to enhance the scene or to build the tension and blah, blah, blah. But this genuinely felt like the score had been done separate to the film and then just overlaid without them really considering what was going on in the scenes. Like, I never really felt it enhanced. I felt it distracted from what was going on. Like, sometimes it was quite comedic feeling. And I was just like, I don't really get what's going on. Maybe they did. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't know the ins and outs of, you know, sound design and whatnot and whether you can do that, but that might have been what they did if it was done on the cheap. I don't know. But it didn't make sense anyway. Absolutely didn't make sense. Like the placement of some of the music in it and such. I think it doesn't make sense will be a recurring theme during this film. It's Chance's birthday as we roll into after the party because she gets given the dagger. 
which turned, or the letter opener, which is about fucking eight inches long. There's no way that's a letter opener. And which, by the way, her mother said straight away, be careful, don't cut yourself. She puts it straight on her fucking finger. Right. The thing with that is, this is someone who's like gone, oh, you need trans- you need regular transfusions. And then apparently don't freak out when they then slice the hand open. Because like, oh, if you need transfusions, don't worry. I'm sure you've got a condition where you slicing your hand open is not going to be an issue. Oh, we should probably say as well that that's the reason. Well, that's the excuse that she's given as to why she needs the transfusions in that she's not a vampire at all. She just needs blood transfusions. As you do when you're obviously you're 17 and you don't ask any more questions than that. When someone goes, oh, you need weekly blood transfusions and you can't stay out in the sun, you just go, yes, I completely accept that without any questions whatsoever. This doesn't seem vampiric at all. This is fine. Just like... She completely accepted getting a giant knife for your birthday is a pretty normal thing. Yeah. Like, I was like, what? It already started. The, the amount of, I know you said we're going to go back and say, I don't understand what's going on. The amount of what I said during the course of this film is unbelievable. I mean, I, I have never been as confused with a lot of things as I were in this film, such as, what is this disease that she's got that's been brought up? Because at this point, we don't know that the vampires remember. At this point, there's no indication as to what's going on. All we've had is the school teacher get burned on a chest with a cross, which doesn't make sense why the school teacher got burned with the cross. And then the cross that was behind Chance as she was asleep on the sofa, flipping itself upside down. Mm-hmm. My first thought was, oh, she's the, she's a devil. Like, it's the devil children. But then... She gets that, and then we learn, I think it's pretty soon after that, that the parents organised a soul harvest. Yes. And they don't like the, the what the rest of the family bring to the table. And that confused me, because if they're the ones harvesting the souls, then why are the other people bringing the souls to the table? Like, the whole point is, like, they bring drug addicts, and they bring homeless people and they bring this but we can bring a lot more it's like yeah but it's your job to bring them anyway so why are they doing it i don't get it if you're coming to me for answers you're not going to get it i thought with that one it was supposed to be when they say soul harvest they just basically mean so they've got a big hunting spree and they were more disappointed that rather than killing and dominating society they were actually happy to feast and eat these wastes and strays and addicts around i think that's that's what i took from that particular point makes sense let's not forget these are an all-powerful all family at one point because i don't want to i don't want to ruin ruin the end because but let's face it i fucking can't <laughs> at one point we get to the end and they're naming everything the actual head of the family's called but like, oh, i've been this demon name dracula he was known as oh sorry he's supposed to be fucking dracula was he <laughs> Did you notice that the uh, the grandpa was the guy from the Confused.com adverts? There's never been a more apt advert for someone to be in. The producers was gone, we've read the script, we need someone who's going to look fucking confused. They saw the advert come on, Confused.com, they went, him, him, perfect. So I quite like the actor who plays August. So he's in a few episodes of Criminal Minds, oh, right. uh, my favourite TV show ever. So when I saw him on screen, I were a bit like, oh, well, at least it's got someone I recognise in and someone who's going to give a decent performance. And then the very first thing I asked was, why is he, he the only one with a strong Irish accent? I think one of the brothers has got one as well, or one of the 
Lass's uncles. I'm sure he's got an Irish accent as well. Well, if he has, it weren't very good. But I was just like, if they've lived for as long as they've lived, and he's lived in America for as long as he's lived in America. I mean, we know someone who lived in Scotland for like three seconds and they become Glaswegian. So I'm like, how the hell have you not, like, has it not affected your accent? And why is for all your children not? Anyway, we ran, a, we ran ahead with him. Sorry. My first what the fuck moment came from when the uncle greeted her and they did that weird Kill Bill wannabe style hey, you need to be prepared if a sword comes to your neck and yada, yada, yada. I was like, fuck off. What is this? Do I, there is another bit as well. Oh, we'll get to that later, but I think there's another little bit of a Kill Bill homage later in the film. The fact as well, when he's November, isn't he, the uncle? He sees a rock out of the bushes being called Uncle No-No, which is a whole fucking different kind of weird, creepy yep. fucker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so at this point it's probably up to, because um, the story up until this point is semi-coherent, so we know that she's there's something wrong with her and that her parents harvest souls and they want to get out of it is what they've told the grandfather. And the grandfather said, you can, but you have to give me your firstborn and then you can go and have your freedom. And they're like, all right, we'll do it because then we'll just kill him off and, you know, take his firstborn back. But the first thing that got me was he said, the grandfather said, Chance is a full-blooded Sinclair. Mm. And I'm like, so if she's a full-blooded Sinclair, does that mean that her parents were siblings? Because you can't be full-blooded if somebody from outside of the family is mated. Aren't, aren't, aren't they using the family in, like, a loose term? Is it not more of a... Mafioso kind yeah. of Yeah rather than actual blood relatives. So some are blood relatives, aren't they? So she's legitimately his daughter. I forgot her name. June, is she called? Yeah. There's that. They're all named after months, aren't yeah. they? So Chance's mother is legitimately the father's daughter, I believe. Because later on, they do mention some of them have been married into the family. So that just drew me. Because I was like, she's 100% Sinclair blooded. But the, I don't understand how that happens unless I- she's... I love out of all the messes of this film, this is what you chose to focus on. As This was the start of what I chose to focus on. <laughs> I soon forgot about that. I'm only remembering this because I've got my notes. But anyway, so just to keep story on track. So they've said, yes, take chance. And then next year we'll do our last harvest and then we're free. But in the interim, they say what we'll do is we'll actually kill August and we'll run the family. And then we get another fucking placard thing on the screen to tell us it's one year later. Like, we already know that these harvests are annular. So why are they telling us it's one year later? We have the one before that, though. You missed missed one. So we have one where it says one year before the harvest. And then we have the next one that says the day before the harvest, which implies that either they lost faith with an entire section of film and just cut out and forgot to remove one of the storyboards. Or they've gone, oh, this will this will look dramatic. Let's <laughs> we'll have two and we'll go, this is going well, these boards. Tell you what we need. We need more boards. And all they, the boards. All the boards. It's also probably key as well to say we've we've done this in like quite a short amount of time. We've we've got to this point. Um, it feels like a long time, but it's not as long as you think. So this story is like jumps like so fast with literally nothing really happening. And it is obviously at this point as well that we get introduced to a charismatic life of the soul 
part, Life of the Soul party, is that right? Am I saying that right? Life and Soul of the party. Life and Soul of the party, Jonathan Whitnicky, who still looks about 12. I mean, that kid, he is a kid. I refuse to believe that's an adult man. That is a child wearing a man suit. I don't want to be horrible to Jonathan Whitnicky. I'm going, eh? <laughs> Don't be horrible. I'm not going to be horrible because obviously Baby Jerry he's, 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 clearly, he's clearly he must have talent because they hire him and he appears in stuff. So clearly he must be good at doing part of his job. But he comes across the entire film as a really piss poor Jesse Eisenberg. I I think they've told him to play that way for for his character. I, I'm not I'm not entirely convinced that's his performance. I think that's more direction. I think the idea was potentially supposed to be on the spectrum because they do that kind of scene where it's showing a route and he'll be able to tell you everything about this particular thing, what it does, what impacts it have, how long the timings will be. And it presents that, but then it doesn't always maintain that as his character. So that kind of confused me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, what I was saying, I wasn't saying about the, the psychological part with it, with the Jesse Eisenberg. Just quite, you can imagine Eisenberg doing this and then hiring someone who's maybe a millionth as good as he is as an actor and putting him in it. And cheaper. <laughs> and cheaper, and a millionth cheaper. But then again, we got, we also have Poundland Cat Dennings, who's the dark haired woman working at the coffee oh, yeah. stand as well. Obviously, we find out why they introduce these two characters. But, like, literally, what is the point of these characters? Again, they don't drive any real story up until they get reintroduced. Which, But by the time they get reintroduced, you're just a bit like, what? I think it's because where the twist comes in at the end. We'll get to that. This is where I legitimately started having no idea what was going on because I just felt like we were cutting a lot back and forth. I don't know. I don't even know where it were. All I know is there was suddenly a scene with Avery sat at a fire with an older woman with blonde hair saying, don't even know what she was saying. But I was just like, who is this? I don't recall this bit. No, I'll completely blank this scene out. I was going to say about driving the story forward. I can't remember whether, is it before this, where she's essentially told she's a vampire, where the drive the story forward and have the reveal, we have someone go, hey, you're a vampire. Oh, no, hey, go have a look at that book in the library. So what's happened is when he's come to the house, he's obviously been hired to poison Confused.com man, and he finds out, or we think he finds out, that she is a vampire, that they're all vampires, so he goes and tells her because he's pretty convinced that Confused.com man is going to cotton on. What's his name? Confused.com man. August. Org. I'm going to call him Org because, you know, I like to abbreviate my months. He's pretty sure that Org's going to cotton on, that he's poisoned him, so warns her for her to get away because he finds out that he knows that it's human meat that he's cut up and not like any sort of animal because he, he knows this stuff. How does he know so much about this family in fact, he knows more about this family than an actual member of this family. You watched the ending, like, right? Yeah. Was it revealed? No, it doesn't. It, it doesn't, is, isn't it? it? No, it doesn't reveal. You'd you'd assume you would assume that he is vampire because he or a vampire hunter because he knows everything about them. As a, by the way, when you said about obviously him coming in and saying 
oh, you're a vampire. But that's not how she finds out. It is. She gets told, she gets told early to go and have a look at that book. And that's not by him, is it? She gets told early by one of the family to go, they go, hey, have a look at this book in the library. And that'll explain everything. And it's got about the whole lineage of vampires. And then she still obviously doesn't believe it. She's still not believing it when he then rocks up saying, hey, you're a vampire. What the fuck was this scene? But as I say, you'd expect him to be either vampire hunter or vampire because the restaurant where he's working, the owner, has been having him kill people, essentially hit, working as a hitman and taking out hits on various people and collecting the bounty by having the chef kill them. But you get to the end, and it's not explained. It's not explained how the chef is just killing people. It's not explained he's either a vampire or a vampire. None of that. He's a shit, sh- he's a shit hitman as well because... He goes and attacks a person in, like, the most well-lit place out of anywhere he could have gone. You've literally got this skate ramp and this him with one other person brightly lit and this darkness all around. Take him outside and kick the living shit out of him there. Don't do it where everyone can fucking see you, Luke Nicky. What are you doing, man? Jesus. Probably, like, at this point in the movie, when we find out it's a year later, I felt like what had happened is... All these people had made these different films and then someone went, let's try and cut all these films together into a trailer and make like one film. Because the way it jumped from like story point to character to backwards and forwards, I actually had no idea what was going on at all. And I was just like, it's like, like watching an out of sync trailer so that we don't know what happens in the film. Fair point. I was like, just cannot deal with this i am having the worst time and then at this point i paused it as you do i went i'm gonna make myself a drink because obviously i've got an attitude problem with this film because <laughs> i started off with an, an initial don't like it i thought make yourself a drink chill out and put it back on so i paused it and i'm like are you fucking shitting me it's been on for 22 minutes <laughs> 22 minutes i actually feel like giving up on everything in life right now like, 22. I've got over an hour left to watch. I haven't got a fucking clue what I've seen already. I just don't know if I can do this. At one point, I had to pause it, the nip to, nip to Lee, and that was more enjoyable than coming back and watching the end of the film. If you'd have gone, Chris, just stay there. It's all right. I'd have gone, yeah, I'm fine. I, I put on TikTok while he did, and I could have stayed watching TikTok. I almost rogue rivered myself and put a funnel down my throat and brought a plane <laughs> head and there. Just just as a, an attempt to go, oh, no, I can't watch it, guys. Sorry. I had a coffee accident. You could have at least chopped a leg off or something. Would have been like, oh, you don't have to watch it, Mercy. Don't worry about it. You can watch without a leg. This big vampire banquet as well. Let's get, we're trying to get back on track with what's actually happening in the film. Why are they eating in the first place? How many vampires do you know pop down the weight trains? Well, they're eating people, aren't they? Not just that. They've got a pint of milk in the fridge. Oh, it is, it's, sorry, it's fair to say as well that the person they are eating turns out to be Chase's sister. Chance's younger Chance's. sister. I can't even remember her name. Look at me. Well, I will say personally, that was a nice touch in the film, I thought. I thought, ooh, that's a bit dark. Like, we've killed a, like, a young child who also has no idea what her worth is in the world. When the young and child was killed, I enjoyed that, says Mercer. <laughs> what, I mean, what I mean is, it was a nice dark twist for a film that I felt like didn't have a tone at all. 
like I couldn't work out whether it were playing for comedy, whether it were playing for serious. It didn't, I just really had no tone or feeling at all. So when they killed off the child or when we discovered they killed off the child and like forced the mother to eat her own child, mm. I was oh, that's quite fucking dark. Like, that's give me something to go, ooh, didn't last for long. So I was trying to work out what the, the sister's name actually is, because to be fair, I couldn't be bothered looking it up. So we've got everyone named after the month, sort of family, so we've got August, November, etc. But the daughter's called Chance. So I'm assuming they moved away from months and on the Monopoly. So I'm assuming she's community chest. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> they're awake. It is odd, though. The younger sister's called Looker. Very well done. Park to name me. There's no... It's called payout then. <laughs> yeah. There's no place in the film for Park Lane or Bond Street. Right. Oh, so. I'm hoping he was sitting... I'm hoping he was just... When he was working on the script, he was just called like, right, okay, character names, character names. Looking around. Got a camera on the wall. Ah, okay. A Monopoly board. <laughs> Yeah, he's got, he's got through very he's got through very different board games. Oh, there's your brother Battleship. <laughs> Don't you talk to your sister Kapunk that way? <laughs> there's great uncle, great uncle, hungry, hungry hippo. <laughs> nice. Right, we can yeah. do this all day, but no. It's more entertaining than the film. <laughs> Let's get back to the film. So we've got the chef there cooking and his intention is to kill August. He's been hired by Chance's parents. I believe we're referring to him as Org. Thank you. Org. Sorry. Org. His intention is to kill Org and he's been hired by Chance's parents to do so by giving him some green stuff. When he first meets the chef... (laughs) Broccoli, the bastard. (laughs) It does just look like crap, doesn't it? That he's putting on top of things or yeah. pea shoots or it's something. Some, it's some, yeah, some, it's some random poisonous. It's poison crest. Poisonous herb. Or Garlic shoots. Who knows what it is? But um, he has to put it on. Oh, oh, so he meets August. Who the very first thing goes to Og, sorry, says to him is, "Have you been hired to poison there?" And he's like, "No." And you're like, oh, God, that's the worst lie ever. <laughs> and then he brings him out after he cooks the food. August brings the chef down and goes, taste this first, as, as, as like, that's what we always do. Now, obviously it's not, because if it was, you would assume that the people who'd hired him to kill him would say, it's going to make you taste the food, so, you know, you have to be careful where you put it, but no, they just go, <gasps> shock. And then, he cuts some of this food up, and he literally shoves every single bit of the green stuff onto his fork, and makes that boy eat it. Yeah. Right? At this point, you would assume that the parents of Chance have gone, he's definitely cottoned on that we're trying to kill him yeah. and we should probably make our exit, except they don't. They don't. They carry on as normal. And somehow Jonathan Lipnicker obviously survives all this. But then... Because it wasn't or, poison, that meal, was it? No, you could drink, you could, if you drank milk within five minutes or whatever it were, yeah. it, it would stave off the effects. Handy, they had a carton of milk in the fridge. <laughs> Oh, very handy. Do you not reckon all wondered at one some point when I went, yeah, we've got the blood in there. Pick up a pint while you're down the shop, would you? <laughs> Never had milk in this house before. But then Org passes the dish to his daughter 
and says, now nah, you eat this because I'm saving room for food. And suddenly all the green stuff's back. And he's like, mm, I'm not I buying thought, this. I thought she was passing her plate that was half full to one of the brothers. No. Did you even watch the film? Yes, I did. Every 80 bastard minutes it of does, it. It does look that way because he doesn't pass it down. No. She just sits there and picks up her plate and then go and pass it down and goes, oh, no, I've got to save room for the next and he, and he says, course. and he says, give it to your brother, really, and gives it to the brother. No, she tries to give it, he goes to give it to her husband, and he goes to take it, and then she goes, no, I'll eat it. Also, what we've also forgot is, which we need to mention, because this film is almost painting um, Chance as the um, the protagonist, and that's who we should be caring for. She is a spoiled, self-centred brat throughout the end entire film even to the point that she when the chef tells her not to eat that green stuff and she has to apologize she then grabs a handful of it and shovels it in a obnoxious self-righteous face to prove a point that she can do whatever she wants why do we care about this girl i literally just thought to myself let her die and let us be done with i did i didn't care about her one jot I was like, nah, I am not invested in you in any way, shape or form. If anything, this was more Jonathan Nicky's film than hers in terms of development. Yeah, I mean, all the, all the key plot points happen when he's around. God, honestly, it's, it's just, when, you, when, you, when you're real, you're hanging a film on the plot points in his performance. But but still better, I had to look this up on uh, IMDb because I forgot what it was called, still better than Among the Shadows with Lindsay Lohan because that is the worst fucking thing I have seen in my life. I'll tell you what, I'm not so sure anymore. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but, you know, I feel like I want to have this, I want to be able to do this comparison with you, Kiss. I am going to watch it. I think I'm you should. Go- it's, it's a comparison between a shit film with Jonathan Lipnickian and a film where Lindsay Lohan literally green screens herself to the entire film. I will try and check it out, but for the purpose of getting through this piece of trash, okay. I'm going to jump back to this film, which I really don't know at what part of the plot we're at, um, if I'm being honest right well, now. All I know she's, is... She's, she's it, hiding in a cupboard downstairs for some no apparent, no apparent reason. Oh, he's, he's, he's told her to go and hide, so... He told her to run and she said no. Well, she he said, at least I yeah. can. So she fucks off for about half hour at this point until she turns back up. June made the speech about taking over the family. I'm sorry, we've got to jump back because, right, obviously, Jonathan Lipnicki's gone, you're a vampire, your whole family's vampires. And you're like, all right, the vampires, right, we know the vampires. Then we have them at the dinner scene where they all put them white towels over your head. <laughs> the head and the fucking blue orb floats out of something. I was like, are we are we aliens now? Are we what are we? That that does relate to the end, doesn't it? That that is explained in the end. No, it is with the halo. The halo is explained in the end, and I think that's the halo they've got. No, because they're conjuring it, surely. <sighs> God. I tried to give you it... an explanation and you're just shitting all over my explanations. All I know is that now suddenly, randomly throughout the film, they get electric blue veins through the faces. <laughs> I'm like, what? Mate, it's, it's not enough to just go synth anymore and it's not enough to just go neon. You have to get Symphony on Blood in order to be relevant these days. 
So, yeah, so we have that happen, and then suddenly Jonathan Licknick is like, I know that something really bad's going to go down, so you need to run or hide. And you're like, why do you know this, Jonathan Licknicker? Why do you know? I don't understand where your knowledge comes from. It It is driving me crazy. What, just what, just what? as a very quick, sorry, just as a very quick plot point, because we missed completely missed an entire scene, which is really relevant. He's only there working as a chef because June had threatened to kill, kill his boss. Yes. Yeah, you didn't mention that, did you? I no. don't know. No, I can't no. remember. See, I'm just about keeping on track of what what's happened in the film and this podcast. So, yeah, the only reason he's actually gone there and agreed to be the chef is because they're threatening to kill his friend, played by the dude whose name I can't remember, but he's definitely from MTV teen movies. From not back a, in the not day. another teen movie. That's what he's from. And Scary Movie as well. So it's Greg in Scary Movie. And also possibly the one where they have to try to get their flatmate to kill himself. And Spiral. Yes, he is. I noticed that. The, good, the, the new good Spiral. Not from the Book of Saw. <laughs> right, sorry about this. Yeah. I, just had to, I just had to jump in. Right, go on, go. You should jump in. And you know why? Because anyone listening to this episode right now is going to start going, what the fuck is going on? And now you'll know exactly what we were feeling whilst watching this film. Because, you know, as you can see, it's not linear. We're not linear. Nothing's linear about it. Og now knows that his, um, his daughter and her husband tried to kill him. So the family turn on them and kill them, don't they? And then they get to eat the family. Now, who cooks the family? Because Jonathan McNicker somehow, somewhere, is in a dungeon with the girl from the coffee shop tied I'm, up. I'm sure at this point they've just gone, uh, they've just gone DIY and just chowed down on raw meat. Medium rare when they do a close-up of the meat. <laughs> Maybe they'd put a lighter over them. I don't know. Maybe that's what that big blue blurry light's for. <laughs> you know, like when you get tepanyak, tepanyak, tepanyak. He's a portable flat grill. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's sitting there slowly, sitting there slowly baking them. <laughs> Maybe that's what the milk's called, bro. Oh, no. <laughs> it all makes sense now. <laughs> What doesn't make sense, and I'm glad you mentioned lighter and slow, because this is another thing that I didn't understand. There were so many slow-mo scenes that had no relevance whatsoever, like walking into the kitchen in slow motion. Why? Um, and then there were so many montage scenes of them, like, working for dinner. But there was one where, <laughs> I can't get over it, where Chance is holding a box of matches going, oh, I don't know how to work a match. And a dad comes in, like, Mimes striking out, and then she does it and smiles and all the macho people. Have I seriously just had a montage of learning how to strike a match? I don't even remember this. I don't even remember that scene. I'd have been pissing. I have no recollection whatsoever. Because it's it, because it comes in with like there's like a succession of slow mo montage um, and really fast edit shots where I think everything just gets lost in, in, in a lot of it. So unless there's actually the words happening, yeah, there's, it's just images being thrown at you, isn't it? So I think you can lose them. Uh, but yeah, so we've somehow now got um, the chef locked up in the cellar with the girl from the cafe whilst. Chance is speaking to this blonde girl that at this point in time we still don't know who this blonde girl is or why they sat around a fire talking about how Jonathan Lipnicker doesn't deserve what's happening to him even though she doesn't know what's happening to him because she's in a cupboard for a fire. My note at this point is say Chef is in the basement for some reason with a coffee store worker and then we have the start of the trials 
which I'm, <laughs> which I'm very concisely noted. There's three trials. It's not exactly clear why. <laughs> <laughs> no, not is it not exactly clear why, but it's not exactly clear what they are because they do trial one. You go, I'm changing trial two. You're like, oh, okay, and then trial three is not even for you. You're like, <laughs> it's, okay. it's, it's trial three. They put the DVD on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel bad. I feel really bad. So we have these trials, but we also we have like this simultaneous storyline going up now of Chance talking to this girl and um, how they can actually defeat Og and how she's planned it for many many years. And then we discover that this full grown adult is actually Chance's younger sister, Luca, who was previously eaten by the family. And I have no idea what is going on. I'm just no. like, what? No. So she's not an older sister. You don't know it's that. You just know it's a sister first. It's later on that she goes, Lucky? And you're like, oh my God, it's the younger sister. I just don't understand what's happening. I, um, I didn't even realise she had sisters. <laughs> she's the one who got it. <laughs> the, li- the little one in the bed? Yes. Is that the one I'm thinking of? See, when can... it, the little one when they go to mess up the guy? Yes. See, I, I completely lost track of all... I know they existed. I know these people are kind of in the film. But it wasn't clearly explained who they were. So when she's sitting there chatting to this, the blonde one later on, I'm completely confused because it's like, right, she's clearly chatting to them possibly for some reason, but I have no idea who they are. I think for everyone's sanity, we need to push on with this quick, this end, because this end is batshit. I mean, I don't mean batshit in a good way. I mean batshit as in I have no fucking idea what I was watching. We do. Now, I think just before we do, we have a we have a chase scene between the slutty daughter, who I'm sure is banging Og, and Chance, and we get to see an actual vampire. And I think it's the first time we get to see fangs and everything. And you're like, ooh. And then we have the most boring chase scene I've ever seen in my life. Do you know, like, when there's literally no attention at all, it's like waiting for something. It's like waiting for a boss, and there's just nothing happening in the world because that's all that's happening. Cute. That's what that twist scene felt like. I was just like, what's happening? This is nothing. This is literally feels like nothing. She and then got she got caught in like a minute as well. Literally got dragged into yeah. the middle of the room. She gave no a, effort at all. By a vampire who she stabbed in both eyes who is now blind. Yeah. That that was the second Kill Bill bit, I thought. Um, I thought that was ah. like a homage to Daryl Hannah's character be in fair, Kill the, Bill. Be fair, the bit when she does stab her through both eyes looks quite good. I will will give it that. I will give it that. But it doesn't matter because if you're a vampire, it'll grow back in an hour. As long as you lay off the wine, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Lay off the wine, they'll be back in an hour. Like, oh, okay. Oh, there you go. So that must be why every time you drink all that wine, you can't see straight. (laughs) (laughs) Lay off the wine. Um, But there's that. And then, like you said, Chris, there's the trials. And the first one, they bring out the chefs, Jonathan Licknick is his boss and friend. And uh, kill him, and I don't know what happens if you kill him because we've got two more trials coming. Um, <laughs> and, and then, so I don't know what. Like if you don't, like if he just says no, do they go? Oh, right, that, that's trials over or what? But then he very, very quickly, Jonathan Lipnicki's boss, as no, like he very quickly just goes, "Fuck you, I'm going to kill you," um, and attacks him pretty much straight away. So you're like, "All right, obviously a douche." Then they go, "Right, bring in the girl." 
And then the girl comes from the coffee shop, the dark-haired one, and the other one's there. And it's like, we're changing the trial. Now, Dakota and Chance, Chance, we'll let you have your freedom if you kill Dakota. And she's like, I'm not killing anyone, but actual freedom? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, fuck it, yeah. I'm going to kill her immediately. I'm like, wow, you literally have no, you literally give a shit about nobody but yourself. True. Literally. You're the, you're the main character of this film almost. You're the one that we're supposed to sympathise and empathise with. And literally, you give a fuck about no one. I hate, I hated her so much. She just wants to design clothes for a living mercer. <laughs> She's got to have that dream. <laughs> no, it's good, because then Dakota stabs her in the chin, and she dies, and you're like, oh, yay, she's dead! Yay, <laughs> finished! No. We then have the blonde girl from the coffee shop brought out, and I'm just like, fine, what is going on? And then I can't even remember what their trial were. Who was supposed to kill Lily? Who is that one? Can't remember. I have absolutely zero idea at that point. Answers on a postcard. I'm genuine when I say, what, when my notes here, all of them say, finish with, for some reason. So it has Chance Face fights coffee shop woman for some reason. <laughs> and then Chance talks, Chance talks to someone. No idea who it is. For some reason. <laughs> Oh, they've got to kill them all, aren't they? They take them out to sacrifice them all. Yeah, because they're going yeah. to behead Jonathan McNicky. And we have this really stupid scene where Jonathan McNicky's like, ten, nine, eight. Are you like, is he going to explode? He's <laughs> counting down, is he counting down Jeff Bezos going to space. He's after, the, he's after the new Thunderbirds reboot. That's what it is. <laughs> he just don't know. And then, then suddenly the, all the vampires start dying and you're like, Oh, except for one, the one who married into the family. She then ends up killing August because she's like, we're supposed to get rid of the monsters, not become them. I'm like, when were they supposed to get rid of monsters? Like, they were, they kill people to survive. I don't understand her morals all of a sudden and why she didn't have them before. I think the, I think the explanation they have is Org is a nasty piece of work anyway. And they, they said even with the daughter taking over, she'll just become because power corrupts. That's that's the moral of it. The moral of this story of this mafioso family. I just want to throw in at this point as well that the reason probably Jonathan Lipnicki knows so much about this family is because he's played a vampire before. He was in The Little Vampire. So that's probably why. Also, poor Jonathan Lipnicki. <laughs> poor Jonathan Lipnicki. When you go in his IMDb page, the first video that comes up is for this film. So that is doing him no favours if someone's looking to hire him, is it? So, yeah, that explains everything. That explains why he knows so much about vampires. He worked with Tom Cruise. He worked with Tom Cruise, man. <laughs> for some reason, Lucker managed to make a deal with somebody. Something to do with 23 years. I don't know what it were, but apparently that meant a sister could come back to life. I've got to say at this point, Mercer, I'm very proud of you. You've said Lucky about a million times and you've not once cracked into Britney. I'm surprised at this. Because I do not want Britney to be associated with this film. Okay? Now do you understand? I understand. But I'm also going to stand from this. Once every 23 years when they said roast beef. But what was it? I don't understand what it was. But she said, oh, I've got like 23 years back or something and um yeah, like, you can have it, like... And she's like, no, you go. And she's like, no, I've lived my life. And you're like, what? I don't understand. You were a small child who's now grown up in the underworld, somehow in the space of, like, an hour. 
like, like your sister grew up in the underworld, like, why ain't she aged yet? And they're like, no, yeah, she can go back. And she wakes up and comes back to life, and you're like, nobody wanted you to come back to life. Like, that was... Then nobody wanted you. <laughs> nobody wanted you. Yeah, was a terrible choice. But not as terrible as the choice to explain to us why Jonathan Litnicker went for coffee every day. I actually quite like this. <laughs> I thought this I thought this was the one moment in the film that actually explained why he was just standing there and went there every single day. And it wasn't because he was some weird freak. It was because he couldn't summon up the strength to actually speak to his sister, who they thought he was dead. I don't buy that in four years he hasn't once thought about saying, hey, I'm your brother, I'm not dead. I quite I quite lot. As a, as a moment, through everything that's bad about this film, that's the one thing where it got to the end of it. You know what? I actually quite like that as an explanation. But why? Why was it in there? What relevance does that serve to any of the movie at all? Like, quite literally, what impact? The film should have ended already. Yeah. And now, watching him go... I'm your brother. He doesn't actually even say it out loud. Nobody died in that fire. He doesn't even say it. He just goes, nobody died. Nobody was there. And they're like, incest, incest, incest. Because that's what's going to happen. They explain her family away during it when they're like, oh, she hasn't even got him. She's got no family. He goes, we have no idea he's his backstory. We have no idea this house is actually burnt down. We do get his backstory. Oh, God, I've blanked it out. (laughs) Yes, we do. The woman who works for the family, Nika, who is the one who goes and gets the chef for them. She says to him, she says to his friend when the alone separate, she goes, did you not even do a background check? And he goes, yes, I did do a background check. And then she goes, so you'll know that as a child, this happened to him. And then there was a fire and his father burnt and he worked in an orphanage or something. And then this happened. So she tells you his backstory in like, in like a very brief, like two minute speech. Also, I went, what's the point? I don't really give a fuck about his backstory. And then to have this stupid sister reveal made me want to, honestly, like, I would done. And I was just like, just end. And then it still carries on for some more time. Because we have some stupid story with the surviving family member, which I don't even know what she's on about. Can it show you her coming back to life? Chance. Chance, yeah. It shows you her coming back to life, doesn't it? Yeah. That's how it ends. We are going, and you're like, oh, thank God. So there's your sequel, obviously. Anyway. What, what do you think? <laughs> Be honest. <laughs> Don't hold back. Well, shall we, shall, shall we give it our grade? Yes. So you'll be pleased to know that um, after careful review from all of us, Brio comes in with a grade. Uh, that's right, an F. <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm surprised because... Um, I didn't like it at all. I feel really bad. We're supposed to be like positivity, aren't we? No, like, do, you know, whole... do you know what? I think it is. We get, we have all these episodes where we're positive about our choices, um, not you, Cabin Fever. And I think this is a time for us to vent our frustration where it's due. Yeah. Cause... I wouldn't you know, I wouldn't just do it for the sake of it. Let's be fair, we quite enjoyed Abigail Horton when we covered, covered that in the previous episode. We had... The task, which <laughs> we did not enjoy, we did not enjoy so much, or armed response. So this is us being us, isn't it? Yeah, just being us. Miserable northerners and one southerner. I think you, everyone should watch Boyle because it might help people understand why we're so incoherent in this episode. Because let's be honest, listening back to this, 
is going to be a clusterfuck of words um, as we jump backwards and forwards, trying to remember at which point of a plot something happened. Um, but it will be entertaining, I am sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think people should watch Broyle for that reason, but I'm not actually recommending Broyle to anyone personally. Would you like to sum it up in a final sentence first? Uh... Uh, I mean, like, um, just a lot of words that don't go together. Is that works. Really... <laughs> there you go. I can't sum it up because no good. This film is not brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, see, now I'm... Now I'm... I have a thousand puns trying to run, <laughs> run away from my head. I could go 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 watch Casino Broil. Oh <laughs> instead. no! Like, no. Okay, you know what? I've just sort of up in Jonathan Lipnicki. What the fuck happened? <laughs> I would also like to say because we do this quite often. Trend of the week is um, Jonathan Lipnicki because all of us, for some reason, feel it, like when we say his name, it has to be in full. It Why has is that? To be. It has. You can't have a name like Jonathan Lipnicki and not not give it its full bravado. It has to be. Whenever when when anyone asks who's that kid from Jerry Maguire, they don't go, "Oh, it's Jonathan." They go, "No, it's Jonathan Lipnicki," and they will continue to use his name because it is a name deserving of that. See, Fair I explained enough. something and it made sense. Unlike the film. Well, I think we're giving this cadaver a fucking kick in. <laughs> I think if we were working if we were working in any kind of mortuary that is sacked us for this. But that brings us to an end of another episode of Privacy and Investigation. If you want to follow us, check out our previous episodes. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SpitGrades. We are iSpit on your grades on Facebook. If you want to email us, it's electricpossums at gmail.com. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe because it does really help. And we have a whole plethora of back episodes now. We've been going for quite a while, so feel free to dip dip your toe in and uh, fill your boots. There you go. Comb your hair. Comb wash your face. Exactly. And then listen. Just leaves us now to say thank you to Mercer for joining us. Thank you, Mercer. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you ever so much for allowing me to be once again here with you. I'm a normal presenter, man. <laughs> Jay, what? Yes, yeah. I feel that through putting you through broil, and the thank you extra for coming, actually coming on and coming up to discuss it with us. There's every danger. This The weather's been too nice, and we watched broil, and there's every danger we could have just gone, ah, oh, fuck it, life's too short, so thank you very much for coming on. And Faye. Thank you. you thank you. You've been all right. <laughs> Thanks for taking 80 minutes of my life that I'll never get back. Precious, precious time. Very, very welcome. Thank you to you both. Thank you to everyone for listening and we shall see you on the next episode. Bye.